Welcome to the Smart City Podcast, the technology program that looks at how buildings, communities, and cities are becoming smarter, more efficient, and more connected. We look at everything from the big ideas to drilling down to individual projects and innovative ideas that impact your day-to-day life. The Smart City Podcast is brought to you by Locomobile World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. This is episode number 42, recorded on July 5th, 2022. Nicholas Gill is from a New York-based company called Building Link. They work with buildings that are so smart that they have the future potential to talk to each other. First, some tech news from Grant. We haven't done news in a, in a couple of programs, so uh, Grant, what have you got for this? Something must have happened in the world of tech that you want to talk about. Well, I mean... Um, if, if you want to talk about all things happening, we need at least a, you know, a day yes. and you won't sit here with me for no. a day. I mean, five minutes is all you'll yes. give me. So, um, okay. Well, I think we have to look at a couple of things that are impactful first. Okay. So we know, and I did, I did post and talk about it a bit and you may not know this, Alan, but, um, who is, who's leading the world this year in electric car deliveries? Uh, which company or country? Yeah, company, company. I'm going to say Volkswagen. Wrong. Oh. Now, I thought you'd say Tesla. No, no. But, but so you know, for the first time ever, Tesla was passed. Uh, by, wait, let me, let me okay. guess. Hyundai. No, oh. he'll never get it. So um, it, was, it, was, it was passed by Boyd, which is, uh, they're, a, they're a, a manufacturer in China. Boyd. Who, who have been around for years selling cars. Warren Buffett invested in them three years ago. They just surpassed Tesla as number one selling EV this year. Boyd. B-O-Y-D. Yeah, the, the, that's not the, the stock name, but you can look it up. So I'm, uh, you so keep just, talking. You know, I'm, I'm looking it up because so I, you know, I don't believe you. Oh, well, of course you don't. Go, but, go, go, um, keep talking. So they out-delivered Tesla. And, and so that's a big impact, guys. Why? It's not about Tesla. What it tells you is Watch out. They're all coming. And that's good for us. Boyd sells electric vehicles that are much cheaper, which makes sense. If I want the world to go EV, I can't expect every guy to spend 75 to 100K. Okay. So I think when, when, um, when, um, it, when it was invested by top level smart business people who only invest again, remember, he only invests in companies not just that are solid, but they have to have a strong corporate governance. Warren Buffett doesn't invest. No, in, and it's got to be long-term. Too. Yeah, and so he looks at something and you look at China and they go, okay, what about the corporate governance? That's my point. So I invested in it and not in the biggest, some of the other ones I have, but that's a big deal, okay? And that was announced yesterday. Hmm. So it's hot off the press. Uh, you'll notice today all the electric car makers that from China, stock is going up. Why? Because they're overtaking Tesla. Wait, is it? B-O-Y-D or B-Y-D? B-Y is a trade name, but it's Boyd. It's B-Y-D. B-Y-D. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A, Here yeah. it is from in Shenzhen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In Shenzhen. Oh, yeah. Uh, headquarters in Xi'an. Oh. Anyhow, number one. So um, he can go look it up later because I'm always right. They have, a, they have a model called the Dolphin. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, by the way, just to so understand, they make, uh, they make uh, normal aspirated engine cars and that, but they went electric about five years ago and they've just pummeled the Chinese market. And for the first time, I didn't think they'd surpass Well, yet. look at all the models that they've got. Holy yeah, the biggest. crap. Alan, they are bigger than every company in the car business market cap, except for one, Tesla. 
They go, but they make a profit too. They're profitable. They, they go back 20 years. You guys, are, both, 20 you years. guys are all going with hairs. I know. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. I'm just, but I'm, it's pretty cool. It, is it cool? Yes, it I is. just gave you news you didn't know. And, and these, are not, these are not bad looking cars. Oh, no, no. Well, look at the people involved. They got very strong group of people. Um, so I think what that means, guys, is that's just the start. As General Motors comes out and everyone comes out with their cars, you're going to see price points change. And Tesla will be just another model that we might say in five years. Do you remember Tesla? Remember them? Yeah, they were that company that started it all. Why, guys? It's infrastructure. And it's about once they hit the market, it changes everything. I'm not suggesting Tesla in any way isn't the best quality car. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. Well, we are in, inexorably and quite quickly moving towards an all-electric future for vehicles. Yes. And so that brings me to my next subject, who I'm having talks with now. A company that has an, a, a robot that charges cars. Okay, I can see that happening. So um, it moves around and it goes to your car because you see, you asked in our, in, in, in many talks we have, we ask about legacy. Right. So think of these legacy buildings that first of all, there is no way they're going to have the power requirements to install EV chargers. Right. But guess what? We all know that one day it's going to be EV only. We don't know which ones and all the batteries, but so this company's come up with a robot that can be called to an area to charge a car. It's basically a, a, Guys, a, a power pack on wheels. It's unbelievable. Okay. And so from my standpoint, Alan, and of course we're writing an interface to it right now for buildings to go with our other robots. And, and of course, you know why it interests me. It's amazing. And so I started doing a lot of my work and they're going to come out with ones that have four charges built into one station. You pull up and do four cars. I'm thinking that is so smart because 90% of the buildings out there are legacy. Mm -hmm. worldwide forget the fact that us is the biggest and all that maybe not the biggest in buildings but one of the biggest it's amazing so we now have gone from talking about because the big problem with ev guys is infrastructure okay and and it will be for a long long time it doesn't matter how much we all want our evs either better batteries are coming or we're waiting a long time to build the infrastructure for ev cars which is fine it's life but they just took a step fast ahead of everybody. It's kind of like Neo doing the battery swapping. Right. This is a way to move you there a little quicker, even though the end goal might be different. So I thought that was pretty amazing. Um, do you got anything else for me? Of course I do. Um, <laughs> so um, the, the, the newest thing I read, uh, not read, but um, we talked about um, hubs uh, and we talked about um, helicopter hubs and, and we talked about um, uh, robots. Uh, so we'll call them air robots that can now land uh, electric um, helicopters that move people from building to building. That has now been released in, in a couple of places, one in the Middle East, one in Singapore, as he, you know it. Okay, I'm be. off to Singapore later this year. I'm so, look for them. so now you, they now have been approved to allow the landing of Electric, and I reported the, the, the manufacturer of that company a year ago mm -hmm. and said it would happen. So essentially, again, you know. So these I, are, are these electric air taxis? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you can call air taxi, but you know, and I know it's going to be deliveries. It's going to be a lot of things. Okay. Um, and, and, and we see that the air robot is going to be very big in delivery. Um, we already know it's running. We know that they have test centers both in the United States. Australia leads it. Um, they came out with the... Uh, 
they took the steps forward way back uh, with the introduction of even delivering books from libraries and so on, small devices through people like Amazon. But this is a big step because right now, as you know, it's an absolute nightmare to travel around the city and from city to city because our airports, quite frankly, in a nice way, are, are a mess. Mm-hmm. And they're messed with different. This, this basically changes the infrastructure. So I've done a whole segment today on EV for a reason, because I think we'll be talking about it a lot. Are these roof to roof? Yes. Okay. So that in itself could change the design of buildings because you would want a flat roof. Like in Los Angeles and in certain places in Brazil, uh, it has been for many years that you have to have a flat roof on a high rise for good reason. <laughs> well, and, and that was to rescue people Absolutely. in the event of fires, right? They're really bad there. Yeah. So now if you're going to use the roof of a building, not only for, you know, a, a HVAC units and, and whatever else and mechanicals, it's a hub. You're, you're going to need yeah. a, a, a landing pad. Yep. They're being designed that way. Just like you have a little indentation in the road for courier deliveries. But they're doing that. If you look at a lot of the developments that are being made right now in in um, in Canada, even they have helicopter pads and landing pads. Do now. they? Yeah, because that's the future. Um, I mean, can you imagine all these times we wanted to go over to Rochester or Buffalo and forget that I'm ferry not driving, idea? No, no and forget the ferry, it. it. Didn't no. work. But the point is, I'm not saying I want to go to Rochester. Nothing against people in Rochester, but um, my point is, it's going to change the whole world. And it all goes back to EV. And, and so people expect it to be in their cars. They expect it to be, uh, to have access to charging everywhere. And they expect that to go a step further. And it's going to be EV electrical. Now, I'm not suggesting that the power factories now are going to be the ones, right? right? I think that has to change. But that's where we are today. Right. If we get uh, batteries that are powerful enough, last long enough, and are light enough, I mean, that could really get, that could get rid of regional jets. And it should. Well, I, it should. I know. I saw a, a test flight of uh, an all-electric prop plane. Yeah. Yeah. And it was aloft for, I don't know, an hour? I don't know what payload it had. But, I mean, that's pretty cool because, you know. Uh, no, you need in the city, guys? 15 minutes tops. It, that's right. Huh. Now, think if you had downtown core with the proper smart city application, buildings managing everything down below. You had up on top being managed all of a sudden. And I, I hate to put more on companies like we're going to have on, even the companies like we're going to have on our thing today, building link, they're going to have to manage that because if we can get them managed up on top, we'll have less congestion in the city and that's what we want. So all this ties in and that's, I think, where we, where we, where we end it today. Building Link is a company based out of New York City that helps property managers run 6,500 different buildings around the world using their industry-leading software. Nicholas Gill is the head of Building Link's Canadian division, and he explains what the company does and how things look for the smart buildings of the future. Nicholas joined us at Locomobi World Headquarters. So, Nicholas, um, explain to me who you are, what your company is all about. All right. Thanks, Al. Um, well, my name is Nicholas Gill, and I uh, work for a company called Building Link. Building Link is a leading property management software company. Based in New York City, I head up the uh, the Canadian unit. Uh, I'm based here in, in Toronto, and uh, Building Link is uh, specializes in high rise uh, solutions for high rise buildings. So it's a property management platform that t- combines data management, resident unit occupancies, maintenance, communications, resident engagement, um, 
uh, front desk functionality for concierge security desk, bundles it all into a cloud-based platform and, uh, and delivers a, uh, a set of tools for property managers, residents, board members and condos, landlords to use. So basically you link together every aspect of a building and what it takes to live there and put it on a dashboard. That's correct. Okay. So let's talk about some of the projects you've done. Sure. Um, you know, our solution is deployed in 6,500 buildings um, uh, globally. We're in about nine different uh, languages. And, uh, and it goes into buildings, you know, everywhere from the Shangri-La downtown Toronto to, uh, you know, to the Ritz-Carlton to low-rise communities out in Mississauga. And, the, you know, those same variety of buildings all across the States, Australia, Europe. Uh, in Middle East. Okay. They're, they're huge, Alan. Yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm most familiar with Shangri-La downtown. So what have sure. you done with, with that building? So Shangri-La, um, like any high-rise condominium, um, requires a property management solution in order to communicate with their residents. So uh, from a building link perspective, um, soon after, maybe about a year after they occupied, we went in there and uh, and provided them with the tools to communicate with the residents. So if I'm a property manager, I've got to get out communications um, to board members, to offsite owners, a lot of, uh, not a lot of units, but a number of units are owned by uh, investors. Um, so they're not present. Uh, they need to communicate with, uh, with those individuals. So they use our system to set the filters, communicate to onsite staff, onsite staff. Okay. I'm a resident. What do I get? I'm a resident. Do you when, you, uh, when you're on the system, you download the mobile app and you can do everything from book an amenity, um, of which there are many, of course, in a, in a place like uh, Shangri-La, to making service requests, to accessing building documentation. It's really the communication platform to management, the concierge desk, in the palm of your hand. So this is an, this is an app for residents. And then um, there would be, I guess, one of these dashboards at the concierge desk. Correct. And, and management. And management. management. And management. It's and everything. It's the whole the whole network. All right. So, so Grant, why, why are you uh, interested in Nicholas? Well, I mean, um, as you know, uh, I'm kind of the, the guy out there talking about smart city. Um, as you know, there are two things, primary designs that bring smart city together. Uh, leaving and coming home. So, as you know, at where I am, uh, we care about when a guest leaves somewhere, how, how he can get there. And then, then when he arrives to another place, how he gets in there safely, frictionless, and so on. What's the other end? It's the guest who happens to be in these buildings that are all managed um, by uh, software programs that allow uh, interaction with not just um, our application, WorldStream and Condo Park, but other applications as well. And we stumbled across, uh, fortunately, um, through through this company through um, through Nicholas, and because quite frankly, um, as you know, in the world of new developments, we kind of lead lead the industry. Um, we had no clue until we stumbled on them that we had this great big property manager firm that quite frankly dwarfs everybody else. And I thought, you know, if anyone has a handle on, okay, they're communicating with how many million people and. What is going, what happened during COVID, which is, we all want to know, did it make any changes, quite frankly, in what the demands of people want technically these days? And then number two is, 
where are they going to go with all this? They have all these programs. How are they going to lead it? So you're not competitors. No. You would be a supplier to Nicholas's company. We call a partner. partner? Yeah. Okay. A complimentary solution provider. Yep. All right. And that would, you know, again, we go back to the Shangri-La because it's the building that I, I know a little bit sure. about. Um, there is no easy public parking. Correct. Uh, you, if you're going to the hotel, you need to valet everything. Correct. If you're a resident, do you have underground parking there? That is maybe an operational operational question. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Um, anytime I visited and I do see the residents, I believe that they are valeted there. Yes. Really? Okay. So what kind of amenities, let's just talk about that because, um, I've given my car keys to somebody out front and my car has disappeared for hours at a time. Sure. So do you know, do you know how it works from an amenity point of view? Yeah, sure. So as far as, as far as amenities go at Shangri-La and what, well, let's talk about parking. First. Well, well okay. let, let's talk about it. So you have to yeah, understand so Alan. Um, so it's new to them. So what they've done is they've put the whole building system in and someone comes along and says, we'll manage the parking. And it's been, you just said something. You didn't know how it worked because it's all a lot of manual operations. So, Frank said, as you know, Locomobi have valet park. We call it valetroid. So, what you'd better do is better talk about a system that we're integrated. And, for example, we're doing a site with them right now. We all know it's very famous, Palace Pier. Mm. I mean, we all grew up around Palace Pier. And so, not when they're... Well, for people who don't know, it's two very, very tall apartment buildings, the west end of Toronto and Lake Ontario. With a famous bridge that goes across. That's right. We okay. grew up with it. And so, uh, and that's managed by the biggest property management firm in, in the country, Crossbridge, which is part of Brookfield. Um, but that aside, they've always, they're already in there. They do all those properties. And we got called in separately because they had the same problem there. We have these passes all over the place. We don't know who's going where. We have no security. So we were given the contract to put in our condo park system at that unit and integrate with this, this application because you can't have two or three apps. So we would layer our app underneath his. We are a very important amenity because um, it's the first thing people face when they come to a building and the last place they leave. So it's a very important feeling you have to give them when they go to and from a building. All right. So as far as this partnership is concerned, you're kind of a white label thing. Yeah. Although we don't hide it. I mean, um, yeah, there's no need to hide it. And, you know, as far as, you know, Locobobi, I mean, it's, it's their solution and they're the, uh, they're the experts in the space. All we're doing is helping facilitate the, the data sharing to help the system work more efficiently. You have to think you've got a property manager uh, who's sitting at the dashboard of, of building link. You've got the concierge desk. They're running everything from access systems to parking control um, to internal and external um, key management systems. Uh, they're going out to trades. So they're all working together. And the closer we work together, uh, the more efficiently the building runs um, and, uh, and more securely. Okay. Well, well, think of that though. Now, now, I'll take a step further. Forget about me, locomotive. Let's talk about building link because that's why he's here. Now, if you have six or 7,000 buildings and you start linking people, because we're in a, a world of linking, <laughs> whether it be metaverse or what we're doing here, all of a sudden you've got this company with a backbone to move people all around the country. Really do it. My goal is to do that. They do it. They just don't know they do it because they've never gone that next step. 
but essentially they have the ability to take all those few million people and move them all around. All right. So you're talking about taking these 6,500 buildings. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, as well as being integrated with in itself, you're talking about integrating these 6,500 buildings with each other. Is that what we're talking? You about? could. That's the concept. No, the in, concept in, in theory, in yeah. theory, like, like Alan, um, if I want to go visit you and you're, he's in downtown New York and I'm at his building and I'm going to visit you at a different building and I can be able to go take an app and go, I'm going to see Alan. Oh, Alan's in the billing link network. I'm just going to drive in there. I want a reservation. I get, oh, oh, on the way. Well, I go there. Do you want to go through the drive through So now you can expand on what we're doing. We're trying to link people from site to site. Anyone can link a paid parking garage. We do that. But to be able to take the real base of people living in homes and help them as they make their journey every day is what we always wanted to do and that's what we talk about. However, do that, guess what you have to have? Buildings. And so you see this tremendous um, uh, database of great customers that they have built over their years of success because they're definitely the leader. Um, we see the opportunity that they get to make the reality of the smart city between buildings and transportation much quicker than anyone thought. So do you deal with new construction and existing construction? We do. Okay, we do. so let's break that down. Let's talk about um, uh, legacy buildings. So um, property manager calls you in. Uh, I've got a building that's 25 years old. I need to bring it up to technical spec. What do you do? Um, the same is almost the same as we do with a new building. It's for a new building. Um you know, can it can adapt easily or adapt, of course, and spec it in. But as far as a legacy building goes, um, it, deployment is very easy. We're going to show them what we have as far as the functionality that's available. At the end of the day, we are primarily a software company. So deployment is, uh, is efficient. Um, what the building will have is their records. And really, it comes down to us getting their records efficiently into the system. So we'll do a, a data load of it's primarily consists of unit data, resident data, owner data. Um, we'll pull it up into the system. Um, we'll configure the system based upon the various amenities that they may have, the various parking um, rules they may have. Um, we'll train all the staff on how to use it. And because it's role-based, it's simplified. So you've got a, whether it's a, a building super, whose job all day is moving around the building and, um, you know, with trades and, uh, and attending to service requests. We've got a very simplified uh, mobile app for them and they can go and just essentially go down and, and tick off their task list. Um, you know, a solution like that is fully integrated with an inspection tool. So as they're walking around, they see lights out and so on. They can create work orders and service, service requests on the fly. Um, but uh, for the most part, um, uh to your point on deployment is that we go and train these individual user groups and we get them up and running and we show them the, you know, the tools that are going to deliver the most uh, uh, return on, on investment. See, what's nice about them being a software platform, Alan, is all they're doing is looking for hooks. So when they introduce to a company like us or a security company, they're going to get an API uh, that is resident and which they can now take that data and instruct that data if the proper API is there, or if not, they have to develop something. And then look at the next step. I mean, you know, of course, I'm thinking way beyond this, and everyone knows we have Moby now. Can you imagine Moby? Wait, go stop. Moby is the robot. 
Yes. For anybody who's coming in late. <laughs> Sorry. Moby and they, is the and robot. they can follow Moby on our site. And Moby's actually in our office today uh, doing some training. But think of it. Now, think of them having Moby working for them, going into management sites saying, here's Moby. And Moby can do a lot of tasks. It can deliver goods. It can deliver orders. It can look at all the lights. It can tell them when there's something not working correctly based on sensors. So as you can imagine, we look at a company with this amount of, of information and links that we can grow quite a big network. Uh, you, again, we talked about we want to connect everyone. Yeah, we do. And we want to connect the future, which is going to be, as you know, there's no doubt, robots and other devices. Okay. Development company comes to you and says, I've got a new 75-story building. We want it to be absolutely future-proof as much as we possibly can as of today. What do you do? So in a situation like that, we're not only looking at, uh, at, the, at the management software, we're going to say, here are our partners. Here's where we can link in. Here's where we can deliver you the, you know, really an ecosystem that revolves around operations, communications, um, movement as far as, uh, as far as it goes with if I'm parking and, uh, and people linking. Um, and so a system like Building Link becomes this nerve center sharing data to the other solutions. So, um, you know, and today um, you've got when you book a uh, book an amenity system, uh, or sorry, amenity reservation, you can, you can uh, now control the doors. So you're integrated with a Salto or a Brevo, um, or if you've got, uh, you know, deliveries, parcels. So, you know, building links integrated with the, the major parcel providers or parcel locker providers, I should say. And, and it's doing so, it's sharing data, it's synchronizing uh, records into a single system for audit purposes, and it's leveraging the other solution providers' um, technology to make a more efficient um, and smart building uh, ecosystem. And then, uh, yeah, but you got to think of the data. Well, I was just going to ask. So Come you, on. You must be gathering terabytes and terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of data on a regular basis. You must have some way of sorting through all that digital noise. We do. Absolutely, we do. Um, it's, you know, there's a ton of analytics that are coming out of there. There's a ton of analytics that are saying, here are problems that are arising in, rising in buildings. Uh, a good example of that is our entry into the IoT sensor market. The um, Internet of Things. The Internet of Things. So top of mind for us, of course, is, uh, is leak detection. You know, so whether it's a new building that, or That's a big thing with all buildings, isn't it? Uh, leak detection. It can kill you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a, a simple, you know, um, pinhole leak can, uh, that's very innocent and just a simple drip can turn into tens of thousand dollars, even a hundred thousand dollars in damage very easily in any kind of building. Um, so a division of building link that we've, uh, called aware for, um, uh, marketing purposes, of course, but, uh, really that's what it's doing. Of course, is keeping everybody, property management, residents, simply aware of what's going on in the building. And so that, so there's, you know, there's, there's leak detection that's expanded to everything from noise. It's, you know, where are your elevators, people, um, carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide, monoxide alarms. And yeah. so the list goes on and on. And of course, uh, with IO, you know, the IOT technology, the costs are there and the efficiencies are there. And it's really just all joining onto a, onto a simple or uh, same network. And, uh, and we're leveraging that information 
and delivering uh, return on investment back to uh, back to the stakeholders. All right, I'm I'm in an, an office building in, in Russia, Moscow, nope. <laughs> and I'm looking to cause havoc on a city in the West. Uh, what is your security? surrounding all this sort of stuff because once you start looping internet of things and everything's all networked together what if you know you know ivan at the uh internet research center in in st petersburg decides that uh uh i'm going to shut down all the refrigerators you know how how do you how do you you know what, what's your firewall well that you know that gets a little bit um maybe a little past my uh my pay grade as far as uh, expertise but a huge part of our of our infrastructure is focused on security. So you're, you're using, of course, end to end encryption. You're using, you know, leading, leading, uh, um, security measures. You know, that's once again, it's not really my, uh, my expertise, yeah. but it is built into the, into the, power. but it is yeah, built yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah. You have to remember that, um, in a building, there is the firewalls and the uh, encryption of the building. So you got to remember coming into the building is going to be fiber in new buildings or something like it from people like telecoms. We don't say who, but the, the big telecoms and understand that's where the firewalls start. They don't start into the management software. They start before that. So in a building that he's involved in, he would definitely have the data protection and, and the two way communication of his software. But beyond that, including companies like us, Alan, we all have to have our own firewalls and you're actually tested. You have to get you have to get tested and approved. All right, so there's there's multiple levels. Yeah, there has to be. There is. There, has there to is. Be. Um, can, can I? Okay, you were talking about fiber coming into the building. Is you know what? What, what about five G and six G? Is is are you looking at that sort of connectivity to buildings? Um, for us on the on the sensor side, I mean, we are we're using LoRaWAN technology. So for a lot of the sensors, um, you know, it's a long range um, technology that allows. You know, small bits of, uh, of information to be shared through a network. So when we go and set up, say, whether it's leak detection, um, sensors around the building, we're setting gateways throughout the property. Um, and then those uh, individual sensors can connect to the, uh, the LoRaWAN network and, uh, and report back. So that is then porting over to the, the AWARE network. Um, and setting out the various notifications, providing the analytics. Yeah, because 5G comes into the building, not into the devices. So so essentially what you have, Alan, is he what they've got is, where they've got to have their security is the, what we call the edge devices. So these edge devices are talking to their software, either through a common controller that's provided by the vendor of their partners or directly depending on the type of device. And then what happens is, there are firewalls or data protection from the edge device to that controller and then that controller to their system and their system will have its firewalls there as well. And then you go a step further that everything in that building will be firewalled through the internet, the communication network, which in this case could be 5G, 6G, um, you know, has, has no bearing on really uh, what they're doing. The bandwidth is all supplied through, um, it, it's only when you're going to the cloud that you worry about bandwidth and 5G and 6G. So in their case, even if they're going to the cloud, it's going to be through a partner, whether it be CCTV or parking or security. Um, so for them, they, their efficiencies is the management network within the building. Would I be correct in assuming that whatever you do in a high rise, you do for a low rise and mid rise as well? That's correct. So we would just take a quote unquote, a lighter approach to it. 
um, you know, in a high rise, you're going to have concierge staff and um, more system users from an operational point of view. Um, and uh, so from in, when you get into a low rise where it's a townhouse community or a mid rise, we're just going to lighten up the functionality that's available because you just, it's more of an essential um, set of, uh, of modules that be used, but essentially every multifamily residential community, whether that's uh, single detached homes in a gated community, um, right up to a that Shangri-La. Was, that was my next question. So you create a, a, a gated community or a subdivision or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you would also be able to link those homes together. So if you have a homeowners association or, well, if it's, if it's townhomes, maybe they're not freehold, maybe they're all, you know, rentals. But they're, they're still gate, like a so, gated community know. is, a gated community is not vertical or horizontal. It's just a group. Yes, that's right. And that's so right. a gated community in my mind is a building or in Florida, a retirement place. I mean. Well, anytime you want to connect neighbors together, I guess. And, right? That's right. It's a linked community. Linked community. Yep. And, well, and, and probably is, we should say the word community more than we should say anything. Mm. Okay. Yep. What about um, COVID? Did, did you have any new demands placed on you as a result of COVID? Um, because absolutely. I, we, we, we're still sort of in it and, and we are not going to understand the implications of the last couple of years for years to come yet. We don't know what the effects are going to be. On no, it'd be interesting. Um, to, and I don't know, maybe they had to have different new devices or maybe new reports. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for, I think what COVID did is speed up a lot of the technologies and the adaption of technology that was already out there. Yes, from a, uh, you know, from a transactional point of view, things that were typically done where, you know, you required a signature, whether it be a di- digital signature, that was moved to an app. So, you know, there wasn't, we were picking up pens and sharing them, even if it was just digital pens. Um, what it certainly did is, um, is speed up um, anywhere where there was group meetings need to be, need to be held. So there are solutions out there and part one of our solutions now um, for managing meetings. So, in person, you know, big take, way. take a, that was con- a big thing. Yeah. Big huge. Thing. Take a, take a condo um, that needs to meet in order to get things done. Rules passed, you know, boards elected. Um, so uh, e-voting, e-meeting solution. So, and they've, you know, whether they've leveraged uh, Zoom or Microsoft Teams and so on, but that, re- that adaption really sped up, you know, to, I don't know if it's a hundred percent, but I'd sure it'd be pretty close in a lot of areas. Um, you know, things like uh, maybe amenities or payments. You know, uh, there was a... Remember, uh, they do payments as well. They do oh, the whole management. Yep. Counting payments no. of what? Like, so, well, like, for us, we focus on, you know, miscellaneous payments for deposits and so on for anything you're buying, whether you're buying a uh, filter for your uh, fan coil unit or you're paying for a deposit or a service in the building for an amenity, party room, booking, that sort of thing, dog walking services. Um, so you pay that right through our system. So we've got Stripe integrated with Building Link, um, and you know some buildings, depending on the demographic, would are slower or, or faster to adapt that. COVID once again really sped that. I have up. a question. Sure. This is what I ask everyone, and I've experienced it. People thought it was a COVID a COVID situation, but it's not. No one's gone back, have they? A lot of things they realized were cool. Electric pens, the reporting. Let's keep it. Are you feeling that, or are people saying? Well, I even think you know, on electric pens, we would pass that because electric pens have been around, around for, yeah. for years. But no, you know what? It's it's it was just 
slow to adapt, you know, because you just need a push. And uh, so but are you, they going back? Now, let's pretend there's COVID- there's hybrid. Yes, there is. Yes. Okay. So there's hybrid offerings. Um, I think, you know, all of us uh, kind of in any business um, see kind of a, a movement back to a little bit of hybrid because people do want to see people. Alan's a hybrid guy. Yeah, yep. I am. And, and I think that's reality. I think there's a lot of the inefficient style, whether it's meetings or whatever you had to get done, hopefully are, are significantly reduced. But I think the necessary meetings um, where you do need to have some face-to-face, I think um, they'll always be around to a certain extent, just at a, a lower percentage. Well, yeah, if you have a condo board meeting, you know, maybe you hate all your neighbors. No, but we're going to force. But, but you, you have to show up every once in a while. That's why we're going to introduce the metaverse. Oh, okay. Alan doesn't. Alan's up. Yeah, he's a little worried about that. I'm, I'm very concerned about but, the metaverse, um, but we'll we'll leave that for another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's a different conversation. Yes, that is. Um, but but I will say though. So you have all these buildings. Do you sit in your 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 team meetings or your visionary sessions? Where do they see Building Link going with all this? Yeah, yeah. are we talking? You know, this healthcare. Um, what else? Just, just curious things you can talk about. We don't want to talk. We don't want to hear about your secret well, plans. I mean. From what I see, and you know, and a lot of it's often led by, can you do this? Can you do that? By uh, whether it's builders. Okay, or- let's stop there. Let's stop there, because that's the biggest problem in software development. So, what is, has has? Because you just said something that's very interesting. Because since COVID happened, it's all about what can you do? Can you do this? You got to do this. So, uh, I see. Um, this is a big part. So, when you sit with your group. Have you found that the emphasis on technology development has increased in the company because the demands of your customer? Because you're obviously your customer's number one. Do you see that now? Is that? Yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, when I first started out, started it out uh, many years ago. Um, you know, we led it. We led the interview. You told them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we gotcha. told them what. We thought we, of a great idea on what we could do and how we could leverage technology and deliver um, to a typical multifamily building. Today, the customers sit in the room and they blue sky. And that is that is largely what drives uh, development and, and innovation. Give me an example. Oh, you're going to put me on the spot here. But, you know, just I think it's largely... Um, this kind of, now that the the users have their head around this ecosystem and that ecosystem is comprised of different solution providers going back to the moment you enter the building through a parking solution. Instantaneous like results on one handheld, uh, a mobile device that they just want to do everything. Sure. They don't want to call me. Right. They don't want to call anyone. They want you to do it all. So I would say that big part it would be the interfaces, the apps, the interfaces of you guys now building all of these applications into one-stop application because that's what they expect as a tenant, I think. It is. I think. It's almost exhausting, you know, from a development point of view because you, you know, our system started out, uh, you know, tracking packages and dry cleaning and, um, and events at a, at a front desk. Now you're doing everything from inventory management to, you know, uh, once again, you're you're tracking uh, data coming out of you know HVAC units. Um, you're you're not only sending the, that data to property management; you're sending them out to third-party service providers. So you've got you're sharing 
a ton of data with a different you know set of stakeholders, um, and uh, but delivering all. Like I, I don't see how a property management company could survive in today's world without software like this. No, and the if I am a tenant or an owner, uh, I can see me getting very addicted to the app because I don't have to deal with anybody. I pull out my phone or my tablet or whatever it that's is. That's what we do now. Yep. It drives me crazy. Well, yeah. That's life, It's guys. like, when was the last time you used your cell phone to make a phone call? You know, this way, why would I, you know, march down to the super's office or right. down to see the concierge when I can just pick up my phone and go bloop and I have my complaint, my request, my report logged. Now think of all the integration you have in that. I, I know. Because not only does it, I don't have to rely on the super calling the contractor or whatever. It could just go out automatically, right? And it better go right. And it better go right, yeah. 100%. And, you know, what we're doing is helping facilitate the the workflow. And, you know, we're, we're helping prevent tasks, simple to-do items slip between the cracks. And uh, we're creating transparency um, and uh, and response. At, at some point, though, there are so many requests coming in for so many different things. You're going to need some sort of artificial intelligence to really sort through it all and prioritize things and make sure that everything, the right information gets to the right people and the feedback goes to the people. Timing. That, Timing yeah. is everything. And I think you're right. And, and with the advent of quantum technology and AI, it's going to do that. They just have to be able to accept it. That I think AI, honestly, makes their job easier. Well, um, yeah, you're Development gonna, yeah. time will be less um, because when you're developing software that learns at the same time, there's less hooks and you have to put in the software in that. Wow. Um, I kind of want to live in one of these buildings now. It's pretty cool. It, it is. I mean, I have my own private space. And I, wouldn't now, remember, have, this is like I wouldn't the, have to deal with anybody. These guys, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Alan, you never heard of Building Link before, right? I've never. No. They're huge. And so my point is, I think that they deserve the recognition. And we bring people on here all the time that have been very successful in that. But this is a backbone of society that people don't even know. And this is a company that started out of New York. Out of New York. And just rampaged the market. Pretty cool. It, it is really cool. And again, it's something, you know, if I'm 12 or 13 years old right now, this is the kind of thing I'm going to expect when I buy oh, my first property. Oh, but it'll have more by that. But way more. And, and that's the pressure. And remember one thing that um, anyone, anyone that's building a building, runs a bill and should be listening to this podcast and hearing about, are they doing the things that they can do? And, and why aren't their people happy? Why aren't they selling more units? Well, talk to someone like a, a building link and you'll find out why. And it's not new. We've been around since 1990. I know, I know. It blows me away. Blows and you know, when I first. I'm embarrassed not to know them. At least I know them now. Yeah. Yeah. I well, appreciate you coming in and thank you for telling us everything about this, these new developments. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. So if you're in the market right now for uh, some kind of, um, what do we call it? A community residence, uh, check under the hood and see what kind of software amenities come with, with your place. It's a great recommendation. Thanks for having me on. And that concludes this edition of the smart city podcast. Thanks to Nicholas Gill for making the trip to Locomobi world headquarters. If you would like to know more about Building Link, check out their website at buildinglink.com. And then come on back to hear more discussions with smart people about smart buildings, communities, and cities. And inevitably, many more things. If you have any questions or comments, send them to feedback at thesmartcity.blog. And check out the website, thesmartcity.blog. 
The Smart City Podcasts, brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless solutions. Executive producer is Grant Furlane. Tactical production by Rob Johnston. Executive assistant is Andrea Crawford. I'm Alan Cross, and we'll see you next time.